Welcome back to The Compass, the podcast ministry of Calvary Baptist Church of Fayetteville, Arkansas. We're thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue our journey through God's Word. Today's podcast includes a message from Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. But before we get to that, I want to take this opportunity to invite you to come and to worship with us. If you live in Northwest Arkansas and are looking for a church home, we would love that opportunity to connect with you and your family. You can find out more information at calvaryfayetteville.com or email us at info at calvaryfayetteville.com. If you prefer to call, call us at 479-442-4634. We're also on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, or I guess it's called X now. But either way, we would love that opportunity to connect with you and to share with you a little bit more about Calvary Baptist Church. Again, on today's podcast, I have the opportunity to share a message that I shared with the people at Calvary on October the 8th of 2023. It's entitled, In God We Trust. Let's listen together. Let me invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 10 through 20 today as we get just a little bit closer to the end of this book. We've been spending a lot of time working our way through Philippians and learning what the Apostle Paul was saying to the church of Philippi and what that means for us. Now, you may see a title like that and you may think, well, we're going to land on a patriotic message. And far from it, but this fits what we need to look at today. I want to share something with you. It's very unpastoral. When I was a boy, I loved money. Now, it wasn't that I was fixated on getting more of it. Well, maybe not entirely. You know, when you're a little guy, you want to be able to buy, for me, let me put yourself in that time frame, original Star Wars toys back, you know, in the early 80s, an Atari and Atari games, uh, all those sorts of goodies. Maybe I wanted a little bit of money for that sake, but I was fascinated by money itself. I was fascinated by the different forms that it took and how it looked. It was always exciting to get a quarter from the year that I was born, 1972. Now that's an ancient quarter, but <laughs> I know, I know. Some of you think, well, that's not ancient at all. Others think that's really ancient. But in any time I saw a coin from before my dad was born, I thought, wow, that's an old one. Now, again, I was a child. I loved going through change around our house and finding a wheat penny or seeing a $2 bill. And yes, a $2 bill is a real thing. Some of you may have never seen one, but they are real. I have several in my house. You know, it is important for us to understand what's on money. I remember my dad having an old box of coins that I would look at every once in a while and think that they carried a piece of history. Now, you may or may not know that the little P, the D, or the S that marks coins is simply an indication of where it was minted. One of the many things that I learned along the way. I loved going to flea markets with my parents because inevitably there would be somebody there that would have coins and they would be really old coins, you know, and bills and I would look at them and they would want to sell them for more than, you know, you could buy, buy something with them. 
But they were neat to look at. A lot of fun was in that. I remember even um, about 2010, right before my dad passed away, um, we had little books around our house collecting all the different state quarters. So again, it's been one of those things that's kind of kept in my mind. Uh, but during those early days, I loved money. Um, again, not very pastoral, but it was, as a child, something that I was looking at. You know, one thing that's been consistent throughout the majority of co coins that I saw was a statement that now we take for granted. It's actually the title of today's message, In God We Trust. In a letter dated November 13, 1861, the Reverend Mark R. Watkinson of Ridleyville, Pennsylvania, petitioned the Treasury Department to add a statement recognizing Almighty God in some form on our coins in order to relieve us from the enmity of heathenism. Blair Park cites in a 2019 article at Crosswalk.com that Christians who felt a nation going through a painful, costly war, again, remember, this is 1861, 1860 through 64 in this time period, they're going through a costly war, needed a constant reminder about God and his provision that should be something we take note of every day. It eventually went into law, becoming an intricate part of our nation's history of life. The, this forward statement of in God we trust has been on most coins in our country since 1864, except for a brief period where it wasn't, and then our paper money since 1955. Now, today, we, we really, we're, we're not going to be talking about our country or our national motto, but it is a great jumping off point for us to think about this idea of what we find in this passage, this idea of placing our trust in God because he is the great provider. It's a reminder about God and his provision, and that should be something we take note of every day. Today, I want us to be reminded of God and his provision and our need to trust him. So let's look at our text as we begin this morning, spending some time here in the, the book of Philippians. Again, we're almost done. So unless the Lord leads Pastor Kirk to something different, next week will be our last time in Philippians for the foreseeable future as he looks at verses 21 through 23. Beginning at verse 10. The Bible says this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance and need, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Ephroditus the gifts you sent, 
a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Let's take a moment and pray. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We just ask for a clear understanding of what we need to see and what we need to do and, God, what we need to be. And so just work in our hearts and our lives today. Help us to understand you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, over the past several weeks, as I've shared, Pastor Kirk has been leading us through a study in the book of Philippians. We've learned a lot. And again, Lord willing, that study ends next week as we wrap up our time looking at Paul's letter to the church of Philippi. And I hope that you've enjoyed your time in this little book and have been listening to see what God wants you to do with his word. And I've shared before, one of the things that this little book means to me is that when I was in college, one of my professors said, hey, why don't you read a book of the Bible and read that for 30 days, for a whole month? And so there, there are messages in here that I've been reminded of, I've been uh, pointed to, and I've been excited to revisit. Now, as Pastor Kirk mentioned last week, uh, this passage that we have here has some of those coffee cup mug verses, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We put it on t-shirts, we put it on mugs, we have it hanging in our home, and it's sometimes we have the wrong idea of what it means. Maybe at the end of this passage, verse 19 is another thing, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And God's word is good and is hopeful, and it brings us those things that we need. But again, we want to make sure things are in the right context. If we take them out of that, we have made a mistake. Now we, over this time, as Pastor Kirk has shared with us, we've learned that Paul is writing to uh, Paul is writing from a type of prison. He's been chained to, guard, chained to guards and even had to pay for his own housing and food as he waited for what was next. While captivity is usually not a place of joy, Paul's letter is full of commands to rejoice and to celebrate. One of the things that I was reading is that you would have no idea that Paul was in prison from this little letter because of how he responds to his situations. In fact, he could have been writing from a palace as much as a prison. He never sounds like he's writing from a prison. Now, this is the third time in this passage of Scripture, beginning in verse 10, that Paul has specifically referenced rejoicing in the Lord. That phrase is something that we take a lot of. And when we look at the book of Philippians, we think about this being a joy-filled book, one that points us to that reality that we needed, our joy needs to be in Christ. And here at the beginning of our passage, he says again, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. We need to rejoice in the Lord. Paul had learned to experience contentment in times of extreme deprivation, from hunger to homelessness, to being in rags, to beatings, to labor and exhaustion, to intense humiliation. And if we look at uh, 
the New Testament, it's easy for us to see all of these times that Paul suffered, to look at those hard times. If you look at your own life, you may think, well, I've suffered here and I've suffered there. But have you learned the issue of contentment? One of the things that we'll be looking at today. Now, on the upside of the plenty and abundance that he references later on, those are a little harder for us to find, but they're there. While we know much about the, the hardships, we know little about ex- experiences of abundance. But we can imagine what they were. For example, in Philippi, when the church was born, likely there were feasts in the home of the first convert, Lydia, that seller of purple. And perhaps also in the home of the other notable convert, the Philippian jailer. Certainly there were times in Ephesus and Corinth when the sun shined brightly over the pleasures of friends and feasting amidst the beauty of God's creation and especially the beauty of his people as they honor Paul for bringing them the gospel. And during these times, Paul was content. So whether it was hardship or whether it was time of plenty, Paul was content. There are two things that I really want us to look at this morning. Two areas that we need to focus in on. If you look in your Bibles, and many of you have little headers above sections of Scripture, this says God's provision. We know that God is our great provider in all things. You look to your own life, you look and see how he is blessed, how he's blessed our church, how he's blessed your family. It's easy for us to find those things. But the first thing I want us to look at is that God provides. It's clear from this passage of Scripture. And he provides in three different ways that we want to look at. The first is this, that God provides opportunities for ministry. Now, this past weekend, we had our Fall Fun Fest. By ourselves, it would have been hard to do the Fall Fun Fest. But God has opened up opportunities for us with Camp War Eagle, Potter's House. They come in, we come together, and then we work together to love on our neighborhood, to let them simply know that we care about them. So if we never see anyone come into our service because of those things, that's okay. We have completed the mission that God has given us, to love on our neighborhood. Now, could we have done those things by ourselves? It would have been harder. It would have been much more difficult. We've had different activities here, but God opened up an opportunity for ministry, and we said yes to that opportunity. Now, there are all sorts of times that I have people come up to the church and say, hey, we'd love to use your building for this ministry or for that ministry. A lot of requests, and I'm the one who who works with those people, and I, I talk with them, see if it's something that can join together. I pray about it. And I wish that I could say yes to everybody because we want that. We want our facility to be used greatly. But there are a lot of times that I've had to say no straight out. There are times we've had people come in and we've had to say no after a while uh, because it just didn't work out. But God is the one who opens up those opportunities for ministry as he did here in this situation. Paul says in verse 10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now in length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. No opportunity. Going on to verse 14, we, we learn a little bit more about this situation. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except 
you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Ephroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. In this situation, Paul was thanking them for their decision to embrace the opportunities that God had given them. Did he say, I need more? Did he say, oh, you know, he was just thankful that they had embraced those opportunities. So it really comes to a question for us. Are we embracing the opportunities that God gives us for ministry personally and then corporately as a body? Are we looking to those opportunities to reach out to our neighborhood, to our community, to find those things in those areas where God wants to use us? There are all sorts of opportunities in, in front of us as God provides opportunities. We have been given opportunities to give. I think about Joe and Mira Costa. They are missionaries that this church supports in a big way. We give them $1,000 a month that's outside of our normal budget and operating expenses. And so if you want to give to that mission fund, we always encourage you to do that because we're trusting God to provide that. God has given us that opportunity for us to have a footprint in the Middle East, something that's, well, looking around, not many of us are going to go and do. But it is an incredible opportunity, especially as they faced hardships over the past several years and difficulties. We've been able to be a part of that and to love on them. But it's not just Joe and Mira Costa. I think about our, our gifts towards LifeWord. And on October 22nd, you're going to have an opportunity to give on LifeWord Sunday. And they're re spreading the gospel around the globe. And they're adding a new discipleship initiative. All sorts of good things. And we give financially to help those ministries. So God provides opportunities for ministry, and we can do that through giving. We can do that through praying. You can pray for your missionaries from your house, in this altar, wherever you're at. You have that opportunity to pray for them. You think, well, I'm, I'm not going to go on a mission trip around the world, but you can pray for them. It should never be the last resort, though. It should be the first. And then finally, under this God providing those opportunities for ministry, God does call some of us to service. And I don't mean just those that are in vocational ministry like myself, but I think about the people that were helping last week. So thankful. I think about my wife's table. Uh, my wife had a slime-making station. Um, yes, I see some heads. <laughs> if you've ever made slime, it's a nasty thing, but the kids love it. And they swamped her table in a way that I haven't seen in a long time. And it was just exciting to see what was going on. The other person I wanted to highlight is, is Haley Maxwell. She sat painting faces the entire time. She never stopped. Not, not a break, and she did an incredible job. And then we think about those that we brought in. I think about Gary Thomas with Hog Tunes that sat there for three hours drawing pictures of people's faces and just making, they were serving. Those were opportunities for ministry to love on our neighbors. God is the one who provides those opportunities, and we need to embrace them. And they could be as simple as making slime at a slime table at a fall fun fest, or it can be serving food, it can be painting somebody's face, it can be giving a hug, it can be 
a handshake. It can be, the list goes on of ways that you can love people. We need to embrace those ministry opportunities that God provides. The second thing is that God provides contentment. And we see this definitely when we look at Paul. He shares some very specific verses. And we've already touched on some of those ideas. But verse 11, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Now, so with any other passage of Scripture, the assertion is that our verse needs to be controlled by context. Now, I've seen a lot of times, I've seen um, being in martial arts myself over the years, I've seen martial artists tattoo that across their chest. Uh, John Bones Jones, who was the champion of the UFC for a while, had, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, tattooed on his chest with Philippians um, 4.13 there. Is that the right attitude to take towards that verse? No. Whether you have been brought with abundance or need, this verse is talking about being content. Paul is confident that he will be divinely strengthened to do anything and everything that God calls him to do. Not only could Paul be content and confident in every situation, he could also be sure that he would be equipped with divine power to deal with it. That's what Paul is talking about here. Are you in a time of, of need, a time of difficulty? God can strengthen you through Jesus Christ, and he'll help you. Here are the precise sense of the Greek will help us because the preposition through should be rendered in so that the promise reads, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Whatever Paul uh, comes Paul's way, he has, been, he has the strength to meet it. He has been brought low. He is a man in Christ. If he abounds, he is a man in Christ. In any and every circumstance, he is a man in Christ. As a man in Christ, he can do all things. As a man in Christ, he is content regardless of the situation. And if we were in Christ, we can find that same contentment. Even when we're hurting, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard, we can find that. Now, this verse doesn't mean that you can do everything you want to do. If you want to fly, go to a flight school. But please do not take the controls of an airplane reciting Philippians 4.13 and hope to take off. I'd also recommend, if you're in martial arts, don't try to break boards and recite this verse thinking you're just going to be able to do that without any training at all. Because it hurts when you do it wrong. If you're following Christ's call and serving Him faithfully in the task to which He has called you, Paul's confident words are yours. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. God provides contentment. And we need to lean into that. Our society doesn't think we should be content, that we should be constantly pushing, pushing and pushing, trying to get more, gain more, be more. But in Christ, we can find contentment even when we're sick, 
when we're hurting, when we're lonely, that contentment is found in him. Now, the other thing that God provides is he provides for our needs. He does that time and time again. God provides for our needs. Now, our confusion, as I've shared before, is that we don't get needs. We have needs and wants placed in the wrong categories in our brain. I need a new coat. I needed a new coat because I've, I've joined this, this group called Singing Men. We have a concert this afternoon. I needed a new coat because that's a part of the uniform. If I don't show up in a navy blazer like this one, they wouldn't let me sing with them. So I, I prayed, okay, what am I going to do about that? Well, navy coats aren't cheap. I went to Goodwill. This is my $4 coat. I'm very proud of that. <laughs> but those needs are there in our lives. And God provides for them. Paul promised the generous and, and my God will supply every need of yours. This was intensely personal for Paul. His God, who had repeatedly displayed his power in every conceivable circumstance, would supply the Philippians' needs, just as he had done for Paul through them. Moreover, Paul promised that God would meet not their greed, but their need. Not all they thought they needed, but all they truly needed. Every need compasses the breathtaking range of everything that is vital to living for Christ. It's important for us to understand that God will meet our needs. He is the great provider. In all that we do, all that we say, he is our provider. And that's what we find in this passage. God provides opportunities for ministry. God provides contentment when we are discontent. God provides for our needs when we are hurting and struggling. He is there for us. If I went around this room, I imagine that you could all share a story about some time that God used his people to meet your need. Or maybe in other cases where just all of a sudden money came to you when you needed it the most. God does that sort of thing. And because of that, we rejoice. You see, God provides and then secondly, we rejoice in that, that goodness. You see, as God provides, we celebrate. We should honor him with greater commitment in our life. If he is this great provider, if he is the one who meets our needs, who helps us in every situation, we should honor him with greater commitment. That means that we should come when we gather for worship that we should be a part of the body, the local church, because that's how God chooses to bless the world. And he can bless you through that as well, as we share in the one another's, as we love one another, care for one another, even sing to one another, greet one another, and the list goes on. But our greater commitment comes out of that celebration, out of that rejoicing. We should honor him with greater commitment. Secondly, we should praise him together in gathered worship. This morning, I loved our song set. I love singing together as a body of believers. And there are times when I think to myself, all right, I love this music. There are other times that I'm like, okay, that's okay. 
I think we all go through that. As someone who serves with our, our state association, I visit other churches. We have other worship you know, styles throughout our, our group of churches around the state. Some of them are very hymn-based, and that's all that they have. Others um, have a piano. Some have an organ and guitar. It's, it's a wide range. But I love coming here and worshiping with you. Seven years ago, I joined this church. Between this weekend and next weekend, I want to say it was the 8th, 12th, somewhere in the, around that range. Um, and like some of you are having uh, next week for our Discover, uh, Calvary Discover membership course, that was one of my first times. I came, boom, and went, went through that, that course together. I'm so excited to be here. And so when we gather to worship it is a celebration of God as the great provider, the giver of all things. This idea of celebrating, we want to mention one other thing. We should tell others of how God is working in supernatural ways. And he does that. When he saves somebody, that's a supernatural thing. When he pulls us together as a body of different backgrounds, of different activities, of different uh, economic standing, of different opinions, and he pulls us together as a body to serve, that's a supernatural event. And so we should share that with others in our life. We should be telling our family members, you know, I love my church, and here's why. God is good. God has provided me with a church family. Jody Priest, on a pretty regular basis, posts on her Facebook, I love my church. <laughs> and I love that because that's a celebration of how God is working and providing something in her life. Are you doing the same? You don't have to use Facebook. You don't have to use Instagram. But you have a mouth. You have friends. You have family members. They need to know that God is providing in your life. Now, he also, we, we see how he works, and we celebrate that. But we also need to understand and rejoice in the fact that as God provides we trust him in our lives. If God provides, we should trust. That is the natural response. We hear the stories of how God has provided. If I hear a story from one of you that how God has provided in a big and a supernatural way or may seem like small thing to you, that helps me trust God more. The stories of the Old Testament and the New Testament, they're more than stories. They're a history book that shows how God has provided for his people throughout the centuries. And when we see that, we can trust him more and more each day. God provided Jesus. And what did we do? We trust God with our eternal destiny. We accept the free gift of salvation it's always hard as I look around, I think, okay, everybody here has done that. But sometimes in our churches or people who have joined churches, they've never accepted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And if you haven't done that, I always encourage you to speak to me, one of our shepherd leaders, talk with Jason, you know, whoever. But we don't want you to leave this place without knowing Jesus Christ. So because God provided Jesus, I trust him with my eternal destiny. God provides for our physical needs. 
and we trust him more the next time we find ourselves in needs. When I have watched God supply in my early days of ministry and even in those days of college when I thought, how am I going to make it? How am I going to get by? And then to watch a random church ask me to come, fill a pulpit, and they provide those needs, and it happens time and time again. There have been moments where we've received checks, we've received gifts. God has provided in big ways. Some of those were very big. I know that during the 2020, when my son was suffering um, with a bad flare-up from his Crohn's, we weren't sure what was going to happen next. God used some of his people to provide in ways that just blessed, well, blessed our socks off. It was incredible. God provides here at Calvary, and we trust him more the next time we look for answers and for hope. God provides, and that's what this passage tells us. He is the one. He provides contentment when we need it. He provides ministry opportunities when we hope to do those things. But we've got to look to him for those. We've got to ask and to pray. The key truth today is this, that realizing that God is our great provider should move us to trust him in all things. How are we going to grow as a church? That's an important thing for us to reach our neighborhood, to reach those around us. Well, we trust God to work. We trust God to send the right people to us. We trust God for those opportunities when we can invite somebody to come and to worship with us. We trust God. You know, I think back to my, my days at Temple Church. That's seven years ago. I was at Temple for nine, and so it's, it's a wild thing for me to think that I've almost been here as long as I was there. But we, like many churches, and I think this church had one as well, had an Awana ministry. And as the clubbers passed sections, they would get Awana bucks. I don't know if you guys did that here, but the Awana bucks were a big deal at, uh, at Temple. They would have a store and they would sell things at Christmas so the kids could go in and buy Christmas gifts for their parents. And so you'd get random things for, as a parent, but it was always a great thing, something that they worked towards. They loved that. But on the face of every dollar was Pastor Ron Fields. They were hilarious to look at. He, it, it's so funny because this humble man had his picture on hundreds, if not thousands, of Awana bucks floating around. He didn't necessarily want that, but that was what they did, and they put him on there. But the truth is that Pastor Ron was never the great provider for Temple Church. He was simply the pastor who loved his people and wanted them to embrace the idea of, in God we trust. Whether or not our country embraces what we place on our money, our model here at Calvary should be in God we trust. He is that great provider. He gives those things to us. He loves us. He cares about us. He wants his best for the people here as we reach out to our neighborhood, as we try to follow him in everything. So let me leave you with just some questions. The first is this, do you have a need that only God can supply? There may be a need in your life 
whether it's a physical need, whether it is a medical need, whether it is a financial need. There are things in your life that are so far out of your control that you know that God alone is the one who can bring an answer. Well, what do we need to do? Trust Him. That's hard. It's hard, as we've been taught as Americans especially, to trust ourselves, to put our faith in ourselves, to work hard and put our nose to the grindstone and then to just move forward and it'll happen. We will make it happen. But God calls us to trust Him. Second question is this. Do we have needs here at Calvary that only God can supply? I think there are some things that we need. We must trust Him for those as well. God is good. He is kind. He is loving. And in times of plenty, in times of need, we can do all three things through him who bring us strength. So whatever your need is today, I encourage you to take that to the Father. We don't have a, a time of invitation when we open the altar like we've done uh, in many of the churches that you may have been a part of. But that doesn't change the fact that during this next song as, as we sing together, you can pray where you're at. You can talk to me on the way out. You can talk to one of our shepherd leaders. Just find what that need is. Take it to the Father and say, I trust you because I know I can't do it on my own. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for how you work in our lives. I thank you for your goodness and kindness and love. And I just ask that you work you work in a big way in each of us individually and then corporately as a body of believers. We want to be your people focused in on you. We love you. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Our heart's desire is that you grow and understand the direction God has for you in your life. We hope that by listening today, you are one step closer to discovering that for yourself. If you live in Northwest Arkansas and are looking for a church to call your own, we invite you to reach out to us at Calvary as we study and serve together. We meet for worship at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. If you wish to find out more information about Calvary Church or simply contact us, you can do that through our Facebook page or at calvaryfayetteville.com. Until next time, remember that God, His Word, and His people can provide direction for life.